Hi everybody, I'm here with uh, Daniel Lurie, the Executive Director of Eteric Clothing, and uh, you know, just one of the global experts on, on what's going on in the streets of uh, pioneering Jerusalem. I've had the pleasure of working with Daniel on and off for six years. Uh, I think more than that, we just, you know, uh, we're just doing some great stuff in Eteric Clothing, and just the unique perspective um, I've gained from working with him uh, over the years, I just, basically land reclamation and um, development and urban pioneering in the epicenter of, uh, of Jewish life, which is Jerusalem. Um, we're gonna talk about tonight with Daniel. Um, this is gonna be an ongoing series weekly, uh, is our first episode called Jerusalem Hot Topics. And we're gonna discuss tonight something very important, what the Palestinian Authority is doing now, trying to carefully, um, almost insidiously, Impress their sovereignty in what they call East Jerusalem, and what, what what we can do about it, what we can learn from this particular situation we're in. So, Daniel, I want to start talking about what you brought up during the week with me: this issue of the Palestinian Authority announcing for the first time that they're investing in renovating old Palestinian houses um, right. in, in, in sovereign Israeli Jerusalem. Well, first of all, uh, Shalom, David. Uh, David, once again, it's nice to uh, to be here, and hopefully, we can have some uh, fruitful discussions and uh, maybe let uh, the the world know about some of the uh, the hottest issues that are uh, rumbling around the streets of Jerusalem. Um, so, it's a pleasure to uh, to discuss with you the issue of the Palestinian Authority investing in Jerusalem. Uh, is not so new. What is new is the fact that it's now uh, like uh, national projects for them. You know, we're seeing for the last 10 years, if not more, uh, a very concerted effort by countries around the world, um, you know, including Jordan and uh, Turkey, pumping huge monies into Jerusalem. I mean, there's this fund called the Al-Quds Investment Fund. I remember learning the uh, off by heart, uh, we are strengthening Arab roots in the heart of East Jerusalem to divide the city. It was 40 million dinars or something. The, the, the figures are astronomical. Uh, the money, and, and then the last few years with Turkey being so anti-Israel at all levels and pro-Palestinian, the amount of money being uh, flushed into Jerusalem. And obviously there are things that are being done without anyone's approval because they can just go ahead and do what they want. There's not that much supervision or control, unfortunately, over the money being pumped here. The most recent thing that we just saw, of course, though, is the Palestinians uh, with their project of uh, strengthening Jerusalem. Of, uh, I think, they, I believe they're talking about 50 homes in one, in one every month. You know, for people to apply and we, the Palestinian Authority, uh, we'll be helping you um, renovate your place and maybe add another story. And who knows whether it's with permission, without permission. Unfortunately, there's too much illegal Arab building and they can get away with it easily. So, you know, the combination of doing what they want with money coming from the PA is very, very problematic and very dangerous. But it's all part of this concerted effort uh, where they see a hole, where they see a lack of supervision they see maybe a lack of uh, things in the other direction, they'll say, well, we'll just go in and do what we feel like doing and putting enormous pressure on the Israeli authorities by doing such a thing. It's the contra of a Tereth Konim. 
if we are trying to run around to the Jewish world or to those that have got Jerusalem, Jewish Jerusalem in their veins, I want to see uh, an increase in the Jewish life. If, uh, if that's what we're trying to do and trying to get people involved in taking on renovation projects and restoring synagogues and doing whatever, they're just doing it in a bigger and better way. And they're not half asleep. You know, we're against a world which time to time is a little bit apathetic or doesn't understand what needs to be done. I mean, I would love to have that type of money, this multi-million dollar fund to renovate our 50 buildings throughout the, the, the Yemenite village or the old city or Malawi uh, Tim in the Mount of Olives or Kibbatsion. So it's, uh, it's very dangerous. It, uh, it's very problematic. Uh, in some ways, I'm envious of the ease that they are able to to have such funds available to do such things. It's, uh, uh, but um, it means we have to work a little bit harder. Sure, sure. I mean, do, do, we've talked about on and off plenty of times the lack of sovereignty. And if we weren't doing what we're doing, let's be honest, like there would be no sovereign. I mean, sovereign name only in terms of Israel's authority and quote-unquote East Jerusalem. So we see when we walk through and we see it far less now in the old city because thank god we have places all over the old city and we've been able to uh, reclaim but in terms of kifar shiloh whatever else called Silwan, we really see it the lack of a sovereign uh, uh sovereign imprint there has allowed these sort of kind of a vacuum of just of, of, of direction and, and that's allowing the pa to come in at this point I mean, what can be done do you think in, in near term just to kind of offset this. You're 100% right. Um, the only thing we can do, and we've shown that it works, the only thing that can be done is show strength of conviction and passion for what we do. Because the second there is um, what you would call uh, a lot more Jewish presence in some of these neighborhoods, we ultimately drag with us sovereignty. And the example, I mean, you mentioned about uh, Siwan or the old Yemen village of Shiloh. You know, until we got there, it was like the Wild East. Do it as they want. They built homes in a national park. Where would that happen in the world? Uh, no inspectors, no building inspectors, tax collectors, whatever it may be. And therefore, you're right, that vacuum was filled in. The second we arrived in 2004 with the first one family, then nine families, nine, now 22 families, it, it, it has actually changed in a positive way. What do I mean by that? Suddenly there's police there. Police never walked into that area. Suddenly there's Border Patrol police. Whoever saw Border Patrol police walk around the alleyways of Shiloh? There are inspectors. There is investments also of the municipality and the government in the area. Now, by us living there, we've effectively schlepped, we've brought with us, forcing the government to act. When the government puts money down, and I have to tell you shortly what's going on with the synagogue, uh, when the, money, the government puts the money down to, to build a synagogue, that's showing sovereignty. It means that, yes, we understand, we recognise Shiloh, we recognise the other, and we're going to be putting money down. When the municipality puts money down to have new lighting, a new entrance, alleyways, guardrails, that's showing sovereignty. When you don't invest in a neighbourhood, you effectively divide a city. So we, first of all, have to be acting and pushing the government to act and to invest at one level. 
The second level is that we, we need to be uh, doing whatever we can to uh, renovate, add more Jewish life. And that means getting people around the world who believe in Jewish sovereignty over United Jerusalem to helping us create the same type of funds. You know, and, and if this interview or this news goes out to people that will hear this, then who knows what maybe we can change and what ears we're going to hit upon in order to counter these massive funds that the PA has got, that Hamas has got. Uh, and so we're not alone. The last time, remember, you and I were walking around the neighbourhood. Remember, we saw all those eyes. The eyes were painted just phenomenal. The eyes of the PA, the eyes of the world, the eyes of the Arab world is on what's going on here. Threatening Arabs not to sell, not to do anything, not to work with the Jews. So there is a huge battle and struggle over this sovereignty. And it's every inch, every stone, every building, every renovation. Sure. It's uh, not straightforward, but uh, well, yeah, there's a lot of... The PA investment is actually quite brilliant if you think about it. You know, the Arabs that sell, if, they're in that, if, someone, if the PA gives them money to rent their house, they're not going to sell anymore. Not because the house is more beautiful. That's nothing to do. They can charge more money, right? They, it's, it's rather, now they're locked in. Now they're locked into the PA. They, 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 they can't do anything. Those eyes, those eyes are not in their house. You know, right. and, and that, this is to me a very serious situation because in a lot of ways it's, it's very insidious in how they control people's free choice and their own liberty in terms of selling. We know, you and I know, um, and there's plenty of stories I've walked around with you and seen Arabs come out and say, I want to sell, can you help me? At least a few times I can, I can think of in my, my mind. And to me, to take away a person's free choice to be able to do that and say, hey, I want to move here, I want to do this, is actually, to me, an authoritarian way of doing things. We're bringing, so, we're so, bringing so, so where's the left wing? So my question is, <laughs> no, it's, it's unbelievable, right? So, so, so where's the left wing? Where are the people jumping up and down to say, what happened to liberty and free, you know, the, the right yeah. in a multicultural democratic society, for the person to be free to be able to sell his house without even the issue of being scared of being tortured or killed or otherwise? Why aren't these left wing... Uh, uh, radicals jumping up and down against something like this. I, I just don't get it. Where, why the hypocrisy? It's, it's you know, it, it's unbelievable. That's, that's, it, it's, it's, I'm always speechless on this stuff, it, but it's, it doesn't speaking of, speaking of the left wing, uh, one of the other news things you asked me about earlier was in relation to, we spoke about the synagogue mm -hmm. and, uh, and that what's happening there. We've now got one speaking about the left wing. I mean, there's a synagogue that has been, thank God, brought back to Jewish hands um, after uh, 70, 80 odd years that it was hidden behind Arab building and Arabs were squatting in it. They were deemed by the Supreme Court, by every court possible in Israel, that they're illegal squatters. Uh, and ultimately the government uh, helped to put down some money to help restore this, uh, this synagogue that was built by and for the Yemenite Jews in 1885, was the foundation stone, kicked out in 1937 and for 82 years either destroyed or hidden, not known about it, we managed to get it back, or the Hektesh, the Sanctified Trust actually managed to get it back. And after the government started putting money down, and after some very, very generous donors, one specifically from Australia and others from America, put money down to help restore the building, suddenly this organization um, called Ir Amim, made up of, I, I don't know what, are there Jews out there that are so lost, so uh, caught up and forgotten who they are? They're even more anti 
Jewish presence there, anti even the restoration of a synagogue in some of the Arabs. They went to the various authorities to stop the government putting money down, claiming that, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a lawyer, but the, 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 the essence was, uh, how can the government put money down to a building owned by the Hekdesh, the Sanctified Trust, when this Sanctified Trust's agenda or goals is only to look after and care for the poor? What is a, uh, a synagogue and a uh, cultural centre for Yemenites got to do with looking after the poor? They need, they need court approval for the government to do that. And it's, uh, it's held things off a little bit. They're not, they won't be able to stop it altogether. Plus, thank God, we've got this uh, private... Uh, uh, you know, money and donations from uh, from Australia, God willing, and from America that's uh, that's on its way, and that will change everything, obviously. Uh, but still, I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. It's um, hard to fathom sometimes some of the, the actions of these uh, extreme left-wing uh, radicals and the, their organisations that are just so intent. All we want to do is live in the heart of Jerusalem side by side, you know, in basic coexistence with both Christians and Muslims. And that they don't like. They don't want Arabs and Jews working together to get nice parks and gardens there. What, what, what is the problem? I, I don't get it. They want separation. They want Jews over there and only Arabs over here. Makes, makes no sense. Well, it's an inversion of indigeneity, right? So they, they, they believe, you know, they, there's the concept of uh, we're the colonial, well, obviously it's not true, but they believe, they believe that, you know, they create this colonial sort of narrative. And that's why they create fossil, using false social justice, you know, you know, movements, they can, they can do what they're doing. And the idea that, once again, that they can deny someone personal freedom, personal liberty, based because, do, because if they don't do that, then they don't really have any ideological foundation to what are they doing. They, they have to create a situation that doesn't allow a person to sell a house and move where they want to. Because if they don't, then our narrative is correct. Our narrative is correct. Why else would, oh, we're only doing this because you're the oppressor. You know, they're falling into your trap. Like, they, they come with crazy ideas and crazy statements. And you know, when it comes down to we're the ones who want liberty and freedom for everybody, including Arabs. And they want an, authorita an authoritarian regime. Just think about it. They're teaming up with the Palestinian Authority. There's no bigger like mafia group than that. They're worse than Hamas in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. Because all they care about is power. Hamas has a religious ideology to them. Not that I like them. Just that that's the reality. You know who you're dealing with. These guys just out for money and power and control. And Arabi wants to work with them. It, it's unbelievable. And I, I agree. It's, it's, a, it's shocking, but I think it's, well, at least, at, least at least there's still no shortage of Arabs ready to sell. Uh, they know that for 40 <laughs> years, Atarat Konim has done whatever is uh, necessary and possible to protect the middlemen, the, the straw men, the, the sellers, etc. At the moment, there are a number of uh, you know, things unfolding, both in the old city, in the Mount of Aldi, Shilach. There's no shortage of things happening. Uh, we just obviously need uh, the world to be involved at all levels, both from the, uh, the investment side of things with Atarat uh, Konim in Israel and also with the gamut of projects for our, you know, the, the children, the nurseries, the play centres, um, and also with a library and, of course, this big uh, project of the uh, restoration of the, uh, the synagogue in the, uh, the Shilach. Um, you, you mentioned earlier about the sovereignty. I recently read in the, for our uh, listeners about uh, the PA requesting of Israel. You, you saw that? Requesting Israel regarding the voting? Yeah. Um, that's another way they, they try to break in. They try to break, you know, it's not good enough for a, a, a Jerusalem resident to 
that it was a Palestinian Jerusalem to try to Mava or, or, or Beilechem to vote. They have to vote. They want them to vote in Jerusalem. And it's just another, you know, bizarre sort of, I mean, to anybody else or any other, can you imagine a situation where I'm just thinking, using an example that, you know, New York, can you imagine France flying over a polling unit to have uh, some French uh, citizen that lives in a uh, French resident or whatever it is, uh, a French citizen, yeah, living in, you know, New York, and they're manning some sort of uh, their own polling stations in New York. I mean, it's unbelievable. It would never, it would never happen. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that they're voting actually in, in some, some election, you know, for some other entity altogether. Uh, and you're right, they can simply get in a car and go somewhere, but not to have uh, the polling booths in Jerusalem. Voting uh, uh, for, you know, obviously they can't vote in Israel. Local elections, they do, they vote for the municipal, uh, you know, parties. Um, and that they could theoretically have a lot more power if they accepted, um, but they're caught in a bind. The second you vote for the Jerusalem municipal elections, it's like they're accepting the Jerusalem sovereign body above. So in some ways they're shooting themselves in the foot, but, uh, but at, the, at the national level, I'm actually glad in some ways that the, they want to be involved with the PA. Let them be involved with the PA and let them go to Ramallah and do whatever they have to do to, uh, to vote if they want. But obviously not having these polling stations because you're, you're right, that's another symbol of this uh, sovereignty uh, in, in Jerusalem. And that's something that we have to fight for tooth and nail with money coming in, election booths, and even the, all of these, uh, these renovations, definitely. Okay, let's, uh, we're going to wrap it up now. And um, I think we touched on, uh, the idea of sovereignty is key. And the idea of the, unfortunately, the, the government needs to be dragged along every step of the way in terms of enforcing sovereignty. But I think we've learned our strategy seems to be working. And um, I think we can leave it at that. I think we, okay. it's, a long, it's a long battle, it's a long war. But the only way to do it really is like you're saying, these pioneers have to be on the ground constantly pushing forward and only then the government, you know, at the end of the day gets dragged, dragged into these situations. I'll take the opportunity while I'm here with you, uh, for those who may be listening, uh, in a few weeks' time on the 16th of February, we're having a very interesting Zoom uh, uh, meeting uh, for women only. Uh, we say that women are the ones that bring, uh, you know, redemption to the world and blessings to the world, and uh, in their merit we were redeemed from Egypt, according to one particular opinion. Uh, and there's something very special about women doing hafrashat chala taking a, a portioning aside a little bit of the dough when they're making a halot bread for the Shabbat, etc. So there's a, a, a couple that uh, Ezri Tubi and his wife are actually going to 40 different places, 40 nights, getting women from all over Israel to be involved in this uh, project of Hafrashat Chala. And one of the evenings is going to be with the women of Shiloh on the 16th of February, Tuesday evening. People will be able to uh, join the, uh, this particular, uh, the women, in the Shiloh and Ezritubi, making, of course, a halot, learning about that, but at the same time, learning about the Yemeni village and speaking in some ways to the women uh, who are at the forefront, living in the hearts of the old Yemeni village of Shiloh. But uh, we can forward people at some point the, uh, the link and get more information about registration for that. Great. Okay, thank you, Daniel. Until next week, um, Amen. we'll see you again. Take care. All the best. Shalom, shalom.